you all here? Y'all, are you ready for the Super Bowl? (laughs) Wow. You all are going to be throwing some crazy Super Bowl parties. I can tell. Uh, Well, um, it's uh, great to see you all and uh, all of you who are joining us online. And uh, so as you may know, uh, we're starting a new uh, series this week uh, that's really dealing with this idea of uh, being a, a difference maker. And just having your life make a positive impact uh, on this world and the people around you. And I was just thinking about it this week, uh, working on the message of just some of the different difference makers in my life. And, uh, and just kind of thinking through, it, it brought me back to like a Sunday school teacher and a small group leader that I had going like way, way back. Um, his name was Chuck. And he was just the great, greatest guy. He was perfect for like... Um, for guys, because he was a Vietnam vet and he had all of these stories. And I just, I remember, in fact, I was even thinking through some of his stories and he would tell these stories and it would have us as like young guys, we would be like riveted. Like he was, cause he would tell stories of back in Vietnam and our eyes would be like this big around. I remember he would finish some of these stories at different times. He finished one, uh, one time and he, and he, he tells us, he's just like, okay, so like guys, like, boys, like, I'm sharing that with you because there was this moment where he felt like God got his attention in the middle of this battle and this thing went off and he thought his gun was going to blow up and just, and we were like, oh my gosh. And he goes, and I just, I just want you to be thinking about like, maybe God would get your attention sometime. And I just, I just want you to pay attention to when God like wants to get a hold of you. And we're all like, okay. Like, you know, and all we can think of is like, like you were being shot at and you were like, and just like all of this stuff. But Uh, What's interesting to me is I think about him um, uh, like decades later as an adult and having conversations with him and stuff. You know, he he told me, he said, you know, when I started working with you guys, like there was a part of it. He said, I just felt like I was so rough around the edges and I wasn't like the regular kind of church person. He goes, I just felt like I didn't have much to offer at all. And I remember just thinking, are you kidding me? Like I, you were amazing at being a difference maker in the lives of all of us as like young boys and as we grew up. And like God used who you were like in an amazing way. And I wonder if you were to think for a moment, uh, think of some of, the, some of the people that have maybe, who've made a significant difference in your life, maybe from a long time ago, maybe recently, like, like what are some of the names that begin to pop in your head? And I wonder if you would think about some of those people and maybe be like, you know, I, I don't even know if they even know that they were a difference maker in my life. Or, um, you know, maybe they wouldn't be the typical kind of person you would think of as being a difference maker. And as we set up this series and think about this, um, like maybe one of the things I would want you to think about is, do you think of yourself as a difference maker? Like, do you? Because here's what I would say. You are. Like, each and every one of you 
is a difference maker. And the reason I say that is um, if you're a parent, you're a difference maker. If you're a coworker, you're a difference maker. If you're a neighbor, you're a difference maker, right? Like if you, if you come in contact with people, then, then you're a difference maker because who you are is gonna come through. And like, like it's going to leave its impression on this world and the people that you're around. And maybe the thing that we'd want to really explore through this series is it's more the question, what kind of difference maker do you wanna be? Because just being a human with other humans, like your influence, you're like, you're gonna, you're gonna make a difference, but what kind of difference maker do you wanna be? And I think back uh, to Chuck, and I just know that there will be a lot of you at different moments are gonna feel like, no, I, I don't know that I would make that big a difference. And I think about the difference he made in my life, and it was huge. And I think the reality is there is the opportunity and the potential for each and every one of you to make a positive difference and change in the people around you. And that's, that's where we want to go with this series. And this morning, uh, the direction I want to go is I want to explore a difference maker uh, that we find in the Old Testament. And you know, when you look out throughout scripture, you see difference, like it's amazing how God uses people. You see this all through scripture to make a difference, the kind of difference that he wants to make. And the person I want to look at uh, this morning in a lot of ways would be a very unlikely kind of character for this. Uh, she is this young woman. Uh, she became a widow. Uh, she is from ancient times. We're going to look at her in the Old Testament. And in so many ways, people would just be like, oh, no, like she's not going to have a huge influence. But she ends up having a really profound influence. And and what I want to take away from her story, we're going to walk through her story. It's uh, Ruth. And if you've never heard the story of Ruth, we're going to walk through a bunch of uh, her story uh, this morning. Um, but what I want to do with her story is there's an, one insight that I want you to see out of her story that I think is really important. And then there's just one point of application that I want to make uh, out of her story that I think if we can see that insight and take on this application that we see her live out, it, it will help you in how you can be a dis difference maker uh, in what uh, God's doing. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me um, to the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth. And uh, I wanna just look at the opening verse because it kind of sets up the story. And we're gonna, we're gonna walk through her story here. Um, Ruth uh, chapter one, verse uh, one. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So uh, I want to look at the different, uh, we're going to walk through the chapters. There's only four chapters, and there's three really important characters out of this that you want to get. So in chapter one, we start off, and really the first character that we see uh, isn't Ruth, it's actually uh, the woman who will become Ruth's uh, mother-in-law, and her name is Naomi. And so Naomi, right, in the, you read in the opening chapter there, um, there's this famine in Judah. Uh, she's Jewish, and so they have to uh, leave, and they move to the land of uh, Moab. And there, right, things seem good. They've got, like, their little family going. There's her husband, and there's her I made her much taller than him, but that's okay, right? Um, and they have these two sons. Um, 
And the story uh, quickly turns into this, like there's this tragic moment uh, when her husband dies. And then out of this tragic moment, like, it's like, okay, it's going to be okay. Her sons end up getting uh, married and it seems like she's kind of reestablishing this life. But then both of her sons end up dying. And what you have to understand is this creates uh, kind of this dire strait uh, for her because now she is a widow and there's no male in her household. She's got these two daughter-in-laws who love her to death. Uh, but for them to really have a life, uh, like they, like they really should go back and remarry some people, uh, in their own home country that they're in right now. And, and Naomi tells them to do so. And one of them does. Um, but then there's one and it's Ruth. So now we see, uh, Ruth in here and Ruth becomes this really amazing character, Right. We're going to learn a lot about what it, or some really important things about what it means to be a difference maker from Ruth, because Ruth sees the situation um, that Naomi is in, and you know, think about who she's lost in her life. This is about some really deep loss, and there's a particular type of loss, and it's what I'm going to call is the loss of standing, of standing. And here's what I mean by this. There's a kind of economic loss that she's uh, facing, right? Her economic standing is changing drastically because in this ancient culture, whether Moab or Israel, um, a woman, even if she owned land, and we know that Naomi does back in Judah, but she has no control over it. Is a woman with no male in her family, uh, she wouldn't even have the right to sell the land. And if the land was sold, like if people in her tribe through the right uh, Uh, processes, sold the land. Um, She probably wouldn't even have rights to the money of that. She wouldn't even have uh, rights to uh, control how the land would be used, if it would be farmed, if it would be used for something else. And this would leave women in her spot in a really grave situation because they just, they didn't have access to livelihood. And so often the place they were left to was either begging or prostitution. And like, like what a terrible plight to be in, in all of this. And so we get to the end of chapter one and, and to really grasp how deep this sense of loss is to her standing, uh, Naomi changes her name to Myra because Myra, Myra means bitter. And she's like, my life's going to be bitter. Like God's turned against me. He must have. And, and he says, uh, or she says to both of her daughter-in-laws, like, you've got to leave. But Ruth, Ruth does something different. I want you to see this. And uh, this is in uh, verse 16. Look at verse 16. Uh, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Like, like it is this heartfelt moment where it's like, despite whatever, whatever you face, right? When you go back to Israel, which would be like only slightly better than if she stays in Moab, she's like, I'm with you. 
I, like, I, I can't leave you. And Ruth all of a sudden becomes this very different kind of difference maker. And it uh, actually goes into setting up what's going to happen here in chapter two. So chapter one ends and we see Naomi go from Naomi to Myra because her life is going to be really bitter. And you know, think about that, right? We have people in our world that are in one way or another or in a different plight. Um, uh, maybe you can think of times and moments where you're just like, man, I, like I just, I feel like I've hit something in life and my, my standing, right, has just changed and it's made life hard. So chapter two opens up and what they're actually talking about is food. Because with no standing, like this is the struggle in all of this. Um, but there's kind of this beautiful thing that, we be, that gets kind of woven into the story here. Because for as much as uh, Myra or Naomi would just feel like, you know, things are in total desperation, um, the Old Testament held these little provisions that just gave you kind of a glimpse or a light into God's heart. And one of these uh, had to do with... Um, how people that like the farmers and all the different people, how they were to treat their crops specifically for people that would be in a situation uh, like Naomi. Um, if you look uh, at Deuteronomy, well, I'll just read it to you. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24. And, and this is this provision. It says, when you are harvesting in the field and you overlook a sheave, like just like a bundle of grain or barley or whatever it is, do not go back and get it. Leave it for the foreigner the fatherless and the widow so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And this provision was that like if someone had like a big field, right? That they were farming. That's not a very good field, but you, you get the picture, right? Um, that if, if, you know, if, if like a sheave of barley or grain or whatever fell on the ground, you had to leave it there so that the foreigner or the widow or the poor or the fatherless, they could go and pick that up. They also had this thing where the corners of the fields had to be left uh, alone so that they could go and do that. So we pick up this story and Naomi and Ruth go back to Israel. And uh, Naomi is old enough now that this would be really hard for her to do. But Ruth goes out in the field by herself and she begins uh, picking up what's been left behind because she's going to start making a difference in Naomi's life. Like she's traveled all of this way and she begins doing this to serve Naomi and to help her out. And, but what you see here is like, there's just this little thing about what we get to see about God's heart uh, in this. That like, this was a provision that was uh, put in place for this. And when she's out there um, working, uh, we see now the third uh, person that becomes really important to this story. And his name is Boaz. Um, and if you have a newborn son, great name for your son there, Boaz. Um, <clears throat> they'll never be teased in school, nothing, you know, okay. Um, Boaz He's out there and he's actually the owner of this massive estate and he owns this field and all of these other fields. And he sees Ruth and he's really taken back by, okay, like what's this foreigner doing out here? And he talks with one of his uh, foremen about it. And the foreman begins to share this story about Ruth and why she has come to help serve 
this widow who is Jewish and has actually come back to this land. And Boaz is so moved out of this. He's like, you know what? Um, I want you to set extra barley and extra wheat aside for her. I want to make sure that she is taken care of. He goes and he tells her, he says, like, anything you need, like, we'll make sure that we provide it. And all of a sudden, it's like their standing just, like, comes up, right? Um, and you see this beautiful picture of, like, of, of how, like, Ruth is beginning to make this difference. And you know, if the story were to end right here, in some ways, right, in some ways we'd go, wow, that would be amazing, right? They trust God and they go back and God provides this way uh, through all of this and they're really, really well taken care of. But that's only halfway through. And I think about this because oftentimes when we think about making a difference, I think oftentimes we think about like, okay, if we can change right, the standing in someone's life. We can change the economic standing in someone's life. You know, the work standing, their career standing, like, like that, like what an amazing difference we make. And we do, it's a wonderful thing. But is it enough? Um, you know, uh, years ago, uh, there was someone that I met and kind of became friends with. And when he first showed up to this uh, church, I met him the first uh, Sunday he was here. Um, he, he was really in a broken state. He had struggled uh, with drug addiction and, and it had just ravaged his life. And he was trying to get back on his feet. And I remember he, as he started coming back here, this place kind of became a place that helped him get back on his feet in this really uh, beautiful, beautiful way. And he uh, had been sober for, uh, for more than uh, six months. I forgot exactly how long it was. And he had struggled to be able to get employment because of everything he'd been through, but he was going to move back with family in another state because he could get a job there. And I remember like one of the things that was hanging him up in all of this was he needed a vehicle to be able to drive to work. And Angie and I just felt like, okay, like this is one of those moments that like we could help make a difference. Like we could just help him. And it wasn't a ton, but we'll help him out a little bit to make sure he can get a vehicle. And so we did that. And I remember just like, just the look on his face and the idea that he was going to have his own job and be able to do this. And it really made a huge difference in his life. But later I came to realize like there was still more. There was something else he needed. And the reason I bring this up is because this is the insight. This is the insight that I want us to get out of this is that while Improving someone's standing is a lot and it is wonderful and it is good. There's still more that needs to be done. And that was the thing I realized uh, with this uh, young man. Um, and it's the thing that comes out uh, in this story because in a way, what we all need is we need standing and what I'm gonna call a place, a place. And this is kind of what chapter, this is what chapter three becomes about. Because when you think about Naomi's story, um, they move back to Israel and their, their basic needs are met. But, he, but here's what you have to understand. And this with Naomi, uh, to be a widow with no sons, okay? And, and not having a husband, it wasn't just that people would look at that and say, oh, you know, you know, poor you and we'll help you out. It was like, there was this connotation that like, 
there must be a reason you're this way. And oftentimes, especially in ancient culture, the reason you must be that, like you must have done something to upset, upset God. Um, God must be displeased with you for some reason. That is why um, oftentimes they were relegated to like begging or prostitution because, okay, that'll be enough to get you by. But like, I don't know that you need more. And it, it was like their place relationally just fell. When Naomi lost her last two sons, her place relationally in her community in Moab and back home in Judah fell. Ever heard uh, the phrase, ever heard someone say, um, well, that person should know their place. What are they saying? They're saying something relational about them, right? Like you, like you, you shouldn't rise up. Like you, like there's something about you that you should be down here. And that was Naomi. In fact, we find that in the first chapter, even she herself believes God, God's afflicted this uh, on me. In fact, in the Hebrew, it carries the idea that God has testified against you. So in other words, when, when she says this, it's like she's saying, all my loss, my loss of standing, it's like, this is God's testimony against me somehow. I belong down here. And you know, that has a way of holding people back in terrible ways, doesn't it? Like, um, so what we end up seeing here is, is God does something really beautiful over here as well, because this is about place. And what's interesting is in the way this chapter opened up and they were talking about food, uh, over here it opens up and they talk about home because that's what it is to belong, to have a place like to belong, like, like who are who do we belong to in all of this? And there was this other provision uh, way back in the Old Testament that actually speaks to this. Um, and the reason this is important is because God assigns this role and it's known as a kinsman redeemer. That should be, man, redeemer. And you're like, ooh, what is that, right? A kinsman redeemer. Um, there was this provision where a kinsman redeemer, there would be a, a small handful of men in uh, the different communities that had the right as a kinsman redeemer to redeem someone that was in a position similar to Naomi. Someone who had either lost all rights to their land, they had lost their uh, standing and they had lost their place. And here's how this would work. Um, for a kinsman redeemer to redeem someone like Naomi, uh, he would marry that woman. But when he married her, he was also obligated to buy all of her property. He would pay out of his own, uh, you know, his own money. He would buy all of her land, right? So Naomi had land, right? But she didn't have any rights to it because there wasn't a male in her life. So if the kinsman redeemer marries you and then pays for all of your land, that money stays in that woman's family because if she, and the idea is that now she could have children and those children, those sons would go on and they would get to retain their name. It's like, 
A kinsman redeemer redeems the name of the family of the man who's died or, or the sons that have died. And it's like their status, their place gets raised back up as if there'd never been this loss. And all the, it's like it changes everybody's perception of them. And so uh, what they find out in the story is that Boaz is one of these kinsmen redeemers. And so the story all of a sudden pivots between chapters two and three, where like the story's not over. And there's this moment where Ruth now, like seeing the position uh, that uh, Naomi is in and finds out that he's a kinsman redeemer and what that means. And normally what would have happened is uh, Boaz would have married Naomi, but like she probably can't have children now and she's uh, becoming elderly now. And so Ruth, Ruth agrees that she will marry Boaz, but instead of trying to redeem her family or something in the normal kind of way, she's like, I, I want it to redeem Naomi's family. And so she ends up redeeming Naomi's family. And it begins to change everything in our world. I remember this moment, right, with Alex, right? And he gets this job and he's in another state and it seems like it's all going well. And I would check in on him like from time to time. And then uh, uh, after a, a, quite a while, I'd been over a year, he showed up here one Sunday and he was so distraught. Like he just, like I could just tell he just, and I was like, what's wrong? And my first thought, my first thought was like, I, like he's like been, been pulled back into drugs and it's like pulling them all back into this whole thing. And he told me, he said, like some guys at work started doing drugs and I realized I was gonna be pulled back into it and I didn't want that and I didn't know what else to do. And he said, I just got in my car and I drove back here. Cause like, why did, like he had all of these doubts. Why did God do that? And he had all of these doubts with himself. And as he talked through it, like what I realized was like he had, like he experienced this wonderful change in his standing. Like he's holding down a job. He was sober now for more than a year and a half. But the thing that kept haunting him was like he had no place. Like, I don't have a place back there. Like God, like God, like God isn't gonna help me out in this moment and I gotta run, right? And he takes off in the, and he came back here. And like, and it just, and I could just see in him, like everything that he thought about God still was like, uh, like he was still at a very low, low place. And that's when I realized like how I engage him in this struggle that he's in, he's gotta raise how he sees himself. He's got to feel like he has a place here with others. He's, he's not that person, that guy. And as he and I started talking through that, that started to change everything. Ever know someone and it's like, you just see all the potential in the world in them. You see how like, like, like they, but they can't see it themselves. It's probably this. Ever seen someone and you're just like, and you're just like, oh gosh, if they would do this, this, and this, and you've watched them get help, maybe you help them out and you just, and maybe you get frustrated with them and it's just like, but there's this thing that they still hold in themselves. See, Naomi comes to a place and things are going better, but the way Naomi sees herself is she's still Mara, right? 
God's still like, like, like I'm, God doesn't really love me. And this beautiful thing happens as Ruth doesn't just step in to go out and work in the field to provide for them. Like she steps into this really unique relationship with Boaz um, and agrees to marry him, to redeem her. And all of a sudden, um, it's like her whole stature rises. And I bring this up because I think it's easy for churches. In fact, I'll say this, I'll say it a little stronger. I think too often it's easy for churches and Christians and, and people like me to think that we can go out and be a difference maker. And if we just take care of their standing, like that's all that needs to be done. But I think that the way we make a difference in our community, in our neighborhoods, right? As a church, but us as individuals, if we don't make a difference in their sense of place, it may not stick. It, it, it may not make the difference that we want in all of this. Um, and I want us to be a church that makes a difference in people's standings, but also in their place. And, right, and that's the insight. But here's the application point in this that I, that I want you to take away from this. And then, then I wanna come back and I want you to, we'll just look at chapter four real quickly. Um, the way Ruth does this is out of a heart of compassion. There's this thing about Ruth, the way she engages all of this is there's this great lesson for all of us to take away and it's uh, this. She has compassion, not pity. And, and here, let me give you a working definition of compassion. Compassion is treating others with loving kindness from a sense that they are just as human as we are. See, when someone in ancient times would walk into the city and they'd walk through the city gate and there would be widows and women begging or soliciting, it was way too easy for them to say, I'll help you out, here you go, because I see that you know your place. And when we help people out, when we seek to make a difference, but the people we're trying to make a difference with, if we see them in a similar way, like it just, that's not God's heart, right? God's heart, and we get to see this. He's, he's got this heart that there's a really practical side. He put provisions in the Old Testament law that places like Moab didn't have because he wanted people standing to change. But he also put provisions of like this kinsman redeemer thing in there because he knew this would lift people's sense of standing in it, right? And that's compassion because compassion says, right? Pity is like, oh, you poor thing, right? Ever had someone say that to you? And you're like, mm-hmm, right? You just, it didn't feel real good, did it? Because like they're saying, like they're, they're, they're trying to connect with you by like, by being distant, right? I'm like, I'm gonna connect, I'll feel for your plight, your difficulty, whatever it is that you're going through. But, but you know, like, I guess, you know, you're the type of person that would make, you know, decisions like that. You're the type of person, you know, that would get caught up in that. You're the, here's where compassion is different. Compassion recognizes that there's, there's way more that we're similar in, in our humanity than what is different. 
And I want you to, I want to read uh, that passage again to you, how Ruth approaches this and think of the compassion, how, think of how she is connecting with Ruth in these words, right? In uh, chapter one, verse 16, she says, uh, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. I'm with you right? Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. She is partnering with Naomi. She's not looking down on Naomi. She has compassion and compassion is fueled by this sense where we can look at other people, wherever they might be and be able to say, you know what? Um, uh, we are all sinners and we're all overcomers, right? Um, we are all weak at times and we're all strong at times. We all have brilliant moments and we all have stupid moments, don't we, right? We all have moments that we'd look at and we'd say, that was brilliant. And there's other moments that we would all look at and go, oh man, I regret that. And we all have moments where we hurt. And if you can begin to connect with coworkers and neighbors and family members and whoever it is that you want to make and do it with compassion, you meet them in a place that doesn't just help their standing. It helps their place. And that like, that's the application that Ruth leaves us with in this story is that to be a difference maker we partner with people. We do it with compassion. And that compassion doesn't just change standing. It changes uh, place. And which all leads us to chapter four. And chapter four just becomes this picture, right? Of what all of this means. And here's what I want you to see in there, right? Uh, there's Ruth and her and Boaz get married. And it becomes this, you know, there's a wedding in this. Uh, there's all of this uh, wonderful resolve. But there's this beautiful moment where there is Naomi and she is holding a little baby that is the firstborn child of Ruth. And everyone calls that, and it's a son, her grandson. She, she like now belongs. And what happens in this moment is so beautiful because they're gonna use this little term. I, I won't take the time to read it to you. But they say to Naomi, the whole community comes around and Naomi goes, right, from being the one that it just feels like she's all alone and has lost everyone to now she has a whole community. And they say to her, they say to her, you are so blessed and fortunate because you have a Ruth in your life and Ruth is worth seven sons, right? <clears throat> I know it's a little sexist, but um, it's because in this culture, right? The sons were the ones that they got to carry all of the things that would give you all of this. And what they're saying is there's a young woman here and because of how she has loved you, it's better than having seven sons because we see it in your life. And there's this symmetry that occurs where she goes from being uh, Mara, the woman who is bitter um, and believes that God is against her to what she ends up seeing over here is that God has blessed her and God is with her. In fact, one of the themes that comes out in all of this, um, God's name is hardly even used in this story. It's one of these weird stories where you're like, they don't even hardly talk about God. You get to the end and one of the great realizations is God has been making a difference through 
Ruth and through Boaz and then through Naomi. Like God has been at work the whole time. And what I would want you to keep in mind, friends, is that in those moments where you seek to make a difference, right? Enter it with compassion, but know that maybe God is at work in some ways that are unexpected. Um, and let me leave you with this thought, um, right? Because I want us all to be difference makers. I want us to be difference makers collectively as a church, but also in all the different lives that you touch. Um, so do this. Always think about who is it that maybe God is putting in my, in my world, in my path that I could be a difference maker for. Um, pray for that person. Because you know, an amazing thing happens when we start praying for something, for somebody, it stirs a sense of compassion, right? When we start praying for someone earnestly, it, it usually leads us to a place of greater compassion for that person and not a place of looking down on that person. Secondly, always look for ways that you can partner with them. It's one of the reasons around here as a church, when we do things like the March 3rd event, Love Our City, we look for partners. We look for partners in that. And lastly, ask God. Ask God how you can partner with him in making a difference. And, and watch what happens, because you might just discover you're more of a difference maker than you ever thought possible. Well, I'm gonna close this out here. And as I do, I just wanna say this. If, you, um, if you're here this morning and would love to just have someone praying for you, um, we've got some wonderful people at our uh, prayer place that would love to pray for you. Um, if you're new to Casas, uh, never been here before, or maybe you and I have never had a chance to meet or whatever, I'm gonna be right over here at these high top tables and I invite you to join me over there. I'd love to just uh, shake your hand and welcome you to Casas personally uh, here this morning. Why don't you stand? And I'm gonna uh, close this in prayer uh, here. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much uh, for scripture and for your story. And we pray that you'd actually cultivate our hearts towards being difference makers, but difference makers that seek to, out of compassion, make a difference in people's standing and in people's place. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Have a great morning. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>